재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 The state is a social system constituted on the one hand by a social structure organized around particular forms of language of citizenship, territoriality, sovereignty and so on and on the other by the myriad of practices of those who participate in this discourse both citizens and outsiders conceptualized in quantum terms as a structure the state is a wave function shared non-locally across both time and space by millions of people but as such it is only a potential reality not an actual one That was David Tezard reading an excerpt from today's book to Logical Song by Supertramp. David is an assistant professor at Seoul Women's University and is completing the research of his PhD in Korean studies at Hanyang University. Morning, David. Good morning, Jamie, and good morning to you all listening out there. So, the book this week is Quantum Mind and Social Science by Alexander Wendt. So, yeah. Initially, yes. um, quantum mind and social science, I really had a hard time like seeing the connection or sort of picturing in my yeah. mind what this book would be about or even like how it would be structured. Because I think this is the first book to have ever done something like that. And so right. you're, you're completely in my your mind right. is blown. Yeah, yeah, to be like that, as am I. So this might be a little bit of a struggle this morning to get through this, but we're going to do our best because it's a fascinating book and, and the combination of quantum theory, quantum mechanics, and social science is something that should be discussed, should be explored, and Alexander Wendt is certainly someone worthy of doing so. Mm -hmm. So last week we looked at Asimov. How is Asimov um, connected to this week's book? Well, Asimov, we, we did the last question. We had this ontological perspective of how being or things came into existence mm-hmm, with that of entropy yeah of entropy and how everything happened as it were through this science fiction perspective mm-hmm. uh, it's a wonderful story but this way we're going to look at ontology from a quantum perspective mm. so less fiction well some people might argue that this is fiction anyway <laughs> but uh, less fiction but perhaps more more science now Mm-hmm. So this book is connecting essentially quantum theory yep. to our minds. Yeah, it's doing a lot of things. Essentially, it's saying that our minds are quantum, mm. and if our minds are quantum, then we need to apply a quantum uh, perspective when we look at social relations, when we look at social structures, and things like that. And in doing so, Alexander Wendt wants to discredit the materialist ontology. Mm-hmm. So by ontology, we mean the study of the study of being, what things are. One of the most common ones that we have today is materialism, that everything mm-hmm. in the world is matter. Right, That's right. the classical theory. Um, in this book, Alexander Wendt is saying that's not correct because there are some things that are not matter in this world, mm-hmm. and one of those things is 
that voice inside your head, that thing that we have uh, called consciousness, that classical theory has yet been able to explain. And I hope I'm not alone in having a voice in my head. Mm-mm. Right, I, right. I can't sort of prove that you have a voice in your head, Jamie, or anyone listening. Oh, out it's there. there. I think you've heard it several times. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what he's trying to say is quantum, uh-huh. because right, nobody right. else has an answer for it, really. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah. So let's take a look at um, the background of Alexander Wendt. Mm-hmm. So he used to be, um, well, not he used to be, but he has a very um, substantial background in international relations. Yeah. If you study uh, political science, international relations, anything like that, Alexander Wendt is an extremely important person. Uh, he started with a paper he wrote in 1992 this, uh, that was titled Anarchy is What States Make of It. And in this, he, he sort of revolutionized and he changed the whole ground of how international relations was done. Mm-hmm. Because, it sounds like a Buddhist approach to anarchy. Yeah, that's kind of what it is. And uh-huh. I'll, I'll come back to this, but he doesn't use any Buddhist or Hindu or any of that terminology. Right. And he's screaming out for it. You know? uh-huh. It's like, Alexander, why? <laughs> um, uh-huh. But there was sort of in this field, you had realism and liberalism. Uh, mm-hmm. Realism is akin to the ideas of Machiavelli or Cotillia, which people are not moral. People do things for self-interest, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, actually, I was having uh, an argument with somebody in the pub about this last night. And we sometimes do things not out of self-interest. You know, maybe for, for other people, we mm-hmm. we would do certain acts to protect our family, our loved ones, our children right. that might harm ourselves. Mm-hmm. Wait, so this is the kind of uh, fight that you, argument you have at a bar? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Wow, David. <laughs> yeah, sorry. And uh, <laughs> that's what we were talking about. And, but realists argue that people or states, any actors, they only do things from self-interest. That's that's the goal. Right. Liberalism is the, the same kind of argument, but it's the, the nicer one that people help each other. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so the self-interest is the helping. Yeah, exactly. Right. So you've got these two sort of dichotomous parties of realism and liberalism. It's this one or it's this one, and people are arguing about it. Alexander Wendt came in and he said, no, it's it's whatever you want it to be. Mm-hmm. It's people or states or countries, companies are neither this nor that. They are what we want them to be because they are constructed by us. And so therefore, he really brought to the fore. He didn't kind of create it, but he was one of the pioneers of constructivism mm, okay so constructivism is that that idea that i refer to as buddhist yeah okay in a, in a way it, mm-hmm. um it's what we make of it right. after after his 1992 paper he wrote a book in 1999 the social theory of international politics and and this was called like the book of the decade and things like this it's, okay uh, so he has this huge history of mm-hmm. stuff that he's done mm-hmm and then he's written this book, Quantum Mind and Social Science, and he's taken this huge left turn. Okay. Yeah. He's gone off the deep it's end. A bold, bold career move, I have to say. And I think it's really important that he's made this bold career move because he could have just kept doing what he was doing. You right, know, he right. was top of the field, everyone mm-hmm. was reading him, mm-hmm. and... He decided to take that risk now that he had that platform. Yeah, and I I think that's really important that people do that. So whether he's right or wrong, by taking such a risk, I I think he's encouraging other people to do it. Mm. You know, he's uh, not in a little box anymore. Mm, Right. Let's take a closer look at this risk that he is taking Mm. in um, quantum mind and social science. So what does he set out to do in the book? 
In the book, he sets out to, as I briefly mentioned, to refute the classical idea of the world. Uh, so in the classical theory, all the world is matter. That's basically one of the ontologies. He wants to dispel this. He wants to, uh, and this book just tries to dispel stuff. It doesn't really go into suggesting new paradigms as of yet, mm. but he wants to build, uh, he wants to break down the existing structure. Right, so that's taking the first step. Yeah, right. taking the first step there. Mm -hmm. um, quantum quantum theories is incredibly hard to get, and uh, he, he does it meticulously, tries uh -huh. to explain it to us. He gives kind of three ways to explain quantum theory first. Okay, so let's hear it. And if there are experts out there, this will probably sound very... Uh, very <laughs> You're driving someone innocent. crazy yeah, out there. Yeah, yeah okay. Um, one of the things is called the two-split experiment. Uh -huh. And this teaches us that measurement itself is creative, that right. the act of observing something changes that which we observe, which seems counterintuitive. That shouldn't be the case. Wait, did you say, so the act of watching something or observing something changes the nature yes, of that thing? Exactly. I think that makes sense. It does. I mean, my mind initially goes mm -hmm. to things like reality TV. Oh, you I know, was going to say like, um, well, yeah, reality TV too, but like a very small example of that mm. would be um, like a small child. Mm-hmm that's playing by itself and then the mother comes in and the the child realizes that yeah. it missed the the mother so it starts crying because the mother is observing yeah observing yeah. and then the mother leaves and the child is like well she's gone let's get back to playing that's what children do they love playing, <laughs> don't they? yeah sure uh -huh. that's a very good one and i think reality tv is another one where you have these hidden cameras around but as soon as people know that they're being filmed or something they're mm. not themselves anymore right you know it's right, when right. you see these their behavior changes yeah it does right. so the very act of observing stuff this is an argument uh, that's been going on for a long time uh back einstein was doing things when they were trying to determine what light was was light a wave or a particle and according to when they measured it it became a particle they they understood this by knowing that <laughs> it gets very difficult when electrons are fired through two slits mm -hmm. when they measure which slit it went through it only went through one of them so right. they could determine that it was a particle however when they didn't measure it the light seemed to go through both and therefore it was acting as a wave mm. so according to the measurement it changed whether light was a particle or a wave mm -hmm. i guess that makes sense too because if you're going to observe something you have to have some kind of tool or rubric mm. by which you make the observation right. and therefore it's going to change the nature of the thing yeah that you're observing yeah whether it's you know a thermometer for temperatures or anything like that you know for sound levels yeah so mm -hmm. that's um, this kind of theory has come to pop understanding with the Big Bang Theory and Schrodinger's mm -hmm. cat and things like that. That was one of the examples where you don't know whether the cat inside the box is dead or alive until you look inside it. Uh -huh. So before you look inside the box, the cat is both dead and alive at the same time. Right, right, right. So it's only by opening it up. So that's, one of, that's the first thing, that this measurement is creative. That's mm -hmm. quantum. Right, right. And then in area two, yeah. uh, he talks about consciousness as quantum. Yeah. Right. Now, consciousness is something that, you know, has befuddled humans for time immemorial. Nobody has really got to that. I've been reading a lot of books by uh, Yuval Noah Harari and Daniel Dennett, mm -hmm. and they were going down the lines that humans were essentially devoid of free will. 
Mm, that, right. you know, everything was a reaction and it wasn't our conscious decision that mm-hmm. the conscious... You're, yeah, you're being subconsciously controlled y- by the decisions that came before you. Yeah, you're kind of like a computer or something. Right. You know? And when I was reading that, although it sounded very persuasive and there's a lot of work done, it doesn't sound real to me. I don't mm-hmm. feel like a computer in the choices that I make and things, you uh-huh. know. What do you feel like? What do I feel like? I feel uh, as if... I could do anything at any moment right now, you know, mm-hmm. or at any point in my life. I could go left or I could go right. I could go up or down, right. you know. Well, we're recording right now, so don't do anything drastic. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Stay on my chair. So we haven't explained consciousness yet. And, and Went tries to explain that uh-huh. consciousness is quantum. And by that, it's both matter and non-matter. It exists in this way. I'll read a little excerpt, of, if I can, about okay. this. The central claim of this book is that all intentional phenomena are quantum, mechanical. That goes both for the private thoughts inside our heads and for public or collective intentions like norms, culture and language, which we might generically call institutions. By virtue of their dependence on consciousness, a classical materialist ontology cannot explain these phenomena, and as such, from that perspective, they may be epiphenomenal or illusions. In the rest of this book, I show that a quantum panpsychist ontology can provide a physical basis for what we all know to be true, which is that both private and collective intentions are part of the natural order. Mm. So everything is quantum, not just consciousness but all matter, institutions, everything exists in this very flexible and fluid state. It's both sort of a particle and a wave. Our mind is not just matter or non-matter, but it exists as both things. Right. Well, I don't know if I agree with the part where he says that by virtue of their dependence on consciousness, a classical materialist ontology cannot explain these phenomena. I mean, how do you explain the entire discipline of psychology then? Because isn't psychology based on the idea that, um, that the mind is connected to the brain? The mind comes from the brain. And is the mind, well, the ontological perspective would be, is the mind matter or non-matter? And if the mind is non-matter, how does it interact with matter, which is the brain? Mm, okay, so it's the, the connection, yeah. the source of it is not enough. We need to know what the the product of that source is made of as yeah. well. Okay, okay. I so, see what you're getting at. And uh, it's a very interesting way. He uses the example of a hologram. Mm-hmm. And so if you had a normal picture and you cut it in half... Okay, you have a picture of you and your family standing there, perhaps at Christmas or Chuseok. And if you were to cut the picture in half, you would lose half of the content. Mm -hmm. You would lose half of the content because each pixel contains not the whole information, but just a little part of it. Right. Yeah, so you would lose half. That's common sense. If you cut a hologram in half, however, you still retain the whole image. The image just becomes blurrier. And this happens because each part of the hologram contains a reflection of the whole. Oh, that is interesting. Yeah, okay, okay, so that's... And you could keep cutting it in half and the hologram would just get blurrier and blurrier. And now, that's kind of... You mentioned Buddhism earlier and, and that really ties in with that. You know, we're all part of the whole. We're a, we're a reflection of the whole universe or mm-hmm. our soul is that. That's the sort of platonic or even the Hindu idea of Atman is Brahman. But mm-hmm. that's where he's going with consciousness. Right, that right. So us, we're, we're basically all made, all of our consciousness, our collective consciousness is made of the same quantum material. Yeah, okay. and therefore inside us we have all the institutions, you know, sort of the country of Korea and everything, they exist inside of us. Mm-hmm. So Basically, free will in this sense, I guess, is what we do with the quantum material that we have. Yes. 
Oh, wow. That's... My mind is blown. <laughs> okay. <laughs> shall, shall, we, shall we blow one more time? Yes, yes, yes. Because yes. we're going to get really hippie-ish now, I think, okay. with Area 3. Okay. And this is panpsychism. Mm -hmm. And uh, perhaps some of you are familiar with the term pantheism. Right, right. Uh, pantheism would be that everything is a god. And there you have the theism. But god this is everywhere. Yeah, right. God is everywhere. This takes out the theism, and so we have panpsychism, and this states that all matter is consciousness. So everything that we see, whether rocks, mountains, this microphone that you're speaking into, Jamie, or your absolutely fabulous blue trousers, are all conscious. Okay, that and, is a scary, scary thought. But yeah. let's look at the excerpt. Okay. Um... Panpsychism is a claim about the intrinsic nature of matter. As Bertrand Russell and Kant observed, physics describes matter only in terms of its properties and behavior, not in terms of what it is inside. Yet we do know what it is like to be inside at least one bit of matter, our own brains, which we know from experience. I don't know. I think this is a bit uh, far-fetched. Yeah, I think this yeah. uh, thesis needs a lot of testing. It does have champions in sort of Spinoza, Leibniz, Schopenhauer, and the Greeks. You know, these people, they have looked this way, but the classical thought and has kind of ignored these. Mm -hmm. We don't live in a Spinozian world or a Schopenhauerian world. Mm -hmm. We live in a, a materialist world. But this argument does have a lot of people going for it. It's just if we are conscious and we are matter, then other things that are matter should also be consciousness. That's the jump. That's the kind of leap of faith, as it were. If it's true here, it should be true there. That's the argument that he's making. We are matter and yet we are consciousness. What, so, is, what is this microphone thinking right now? What is this microphone? It's loving being serenaded by you i would imagine <laughs> you know the personification of the microphone but I, th i think that's essentially it if we are matter and therefore consciousness then other matter could also be consciousness by uh the same logical step right right well as i have said i think uh these ideas need a lot of testing i yeah. certainly hope that um this gets picked up by other academics and expanded in in different fields i mean that's the whole goal of um insert interdisciplinary studies but yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll be interested in seeing where this goes and having someone as well known as alexander went do it i think is important because if it was someone with perhaps less of a reputation it would have been buried it would have been buried brushed aside or right, something right. so i i think it's really cool that he's done mm -hmm, this right so give us your final pitch a final pitch um if you want to dispel the classical world or if you have any interest in in politics or science if you're writing something at the moment this is brand new theory here i mean this is 2016 Cutting edge, yeah right? it, it really is so this hasn't really been done before it's new so pick up on it and see what you can make of it and you will be doing something new mm -hmm. and give us a song before you go the absolutely fabulous caius with phototropic thank you so much david i'll see you next week thank you jamie thank you listeners that's it for this week's show. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back again next Sunday at 10 on TBS EFM.